Welcome to Kelly Dry's Full Spectrum Podcast, bringing together thought leaders in the technology, media, and telecommunications industries to discuss legal issues that are expected to impact today's organizations and tomorrow's marketplace. Show notes and additional episodes are available at kellydryfullspectrum.com. For more in-depth commentary, head to our blog at comlawmonitor.com. This podcast is produced by the Kelly Dry Communications Practice Group. Hello, welcome to Full Spectrum. My name is Janine Fletcher-Thomas, and I'm a senior associate at Kelly Dry and Warren in Kelly Dry's Labor and Employment Group. And I'm Michael Dover. I'm special counsel in Kelly Dry's communications group focusing on technology-related disputes. Today, we're discussing privacy rights, and specifically the Illinois Biometric Privacy Right Act, or BIPA. Biometric privacy is an individual's right to cover his or her facial recognition, scans, voice, and fingerprints or eye scans. Biometric privacy has been in the news a lot lately, especially with the $550 million Facebook settlement earlier this year. It's extremely large, but only a fraction of the $3 billion it could have been. And now... With many companies changing their procedures related to the COVID-19 pandemic, it's an area that companies need to consider before implementing new technology that involves biometrics. Mike, what type of popular technology uses biometrics? Well, many people would be surprised by how much biometrics is used in today's technology. For example, individual voice recognition devices like Alexa can use biometrics. And also, many of us use facial recognition technology to unlock our mobile phones or use fingerprint scans to clock in and out at work, and those are biometrics as well. Uh, So we're not quite at the citywide retina scan in the Minority Report movie or use of thumbprints to pay for services like in Back to the Future 2, but certainly the use of biometric technology is increasing rapidly. So, Mike, are biometrics regulated everywhere in the United States? No, biometrics are not regulated everywhere in the U.S. Uh, Many states are considering tightening privacy protections related to biometrics, but just one state, Illinois, has put in place a comprehensive legal structure to regulate biometrics under a law called the Illinois Biometrics Privacy Act, or BIPA for short. Texas and Washington have passed similar laws, and other states are considering introducing new bills, but the Illinois Biometric Privacy Act is unique. So, Janine, tell us a little bit about what makes the Illinois BIPA law unique. The BIPA law generally requires companies to do four things. First, companies in Illinois must obtain informed consent before collecting biometrics. Informed consent is telling individuals how their biometrics will be used and how long it will be kept, and then receiving assigned consent from each individual for those stated purposes. Second, companies must have publicly available biometric retention and deletion policies. Publicly available usually means the information is available on a public website. It can't just be buried inside a company's internal policies somewhere. Third, companies may not sell biometrics. And fourth, Companies may only share biometrics with third parties after receiving specific written consent to do so. 
So what happens if a company violates those provisions of BIPA? This is what makes the Illinois law very unique. Individuals may sue to enforce BIPA even if the individual has no actual damages. And the damages can be quite large. Individuals may receive a damage award of greater of the actual damages or statutory damages. Statutory damages are $1,000 per negligent violations or $5,000 per intentional violations. These penalties add up quickly, which is why most cases settle. So Mike, what are the effects of BIPA on businesses doing business in Illinois? Well, the result of BIPA on business in Illinois has been quite significant. The law has been described either as the most progressive privacy law for biometrics in the country or a law creating, quote, a judicial hellhole for class action litigation as it's the only state regulating biometrics permitting an individual to sue on violations. So depending on your perspective, the law has made quite a significant impact. So Mike, what are the effects on small businesses and large businesses of BIPA? Are they the same? Are they different? Well, BIPA affects both large and small companies, and many large and small companies have been hit with litigation as a result of alleged BIPA violations. Some recent examples include Amazon Web Services, Facebook, as you mentioned earlier, Google, the Home Depot, United Airlines. In addition to these large companies, many smaller companies that violate BIPA are also subject to the damages provisions that you described earlier. Um, In fact, the effect on business in Illinois um, has made some companies expressly exclude their products, which use biometrics, from being used in Illinois uh, to avoid a possible BIPA litigation. So, for example, Sony's IBO, the robot dog that Sony markets uh, throughout the country, Sony refuses to sell it in Illinois. Its website says, quote, this product is not for sale or use in the state of Illinois and may not be shipped to purchasers in Illinois. And the reason seems to be that IBO uses facial recognition technology to allow the robot dog to recognize and interact with the people around it. Another example is the Nest Doorbell, which uses individual facial recognition technology. That feature on the Nest Doorbell is not available in Illinois, most likely because it uses facial scanning technology. So Janine, what steps can a company take to minimize their risk of liability under BIPA? Well, there's three steps. First, companies need to evaluate if they need to collect or store biometrics. If you don't need biometrics, don't collect them so you can avoid having to comply with BIPA. Second, does your company collect or store biometrics in Illinois? If it does, BIPA's requirements will apply. But you can also make a decision, like Mike mentioned above, where you don't sell certain products that use biometrics in Illinois to avoid complying with the law. And third, if BIPA applies to your company, you should ensure your company follows the four requirements we described above. First, your company should obtain informed consent. Second, your company should have a publicly available biometric policy. And third, your company should not sell biometrics. And fourth, 
Your company cannot share biometrics with others without informed consent. If you take anything away from this podcast, remember, disclosure and consent are the touchstone. Also, we think it's important to talk about the COVID-19 pandemic. It doesn't affect a company's obligations under BIPA. So before your company uses anything to protect employees from surface contact, so contactless methods for timekeeping or granting employees facility to the company using biometrics, make sure your company is compliant with this law. So what if your company did not have a compliance plan in place and your company already violated BIPA? Are there any established defenses? Well, it's challenging because most of these cases end up settling. So there's been arguments that have been made in other cases, but we don't have a lot of precedent to rely on. But before your company does anything, your company needs to take immediate action to get your company into compliance with the requirements of BIPA because it's always going to look best to a regulator or the court if you're now in compliance. But once you're in compliance, you can think about these six potential defenses when you're evaluating a potential BIPA violation. First, did the violation occur primarily and substantially in Illinois? This argument was made in Facebook. Facebook is a company in California. They're not domiciled in Illinois, but ultimately the case settled. So we don't have any kind of court decision to rely on if this argument would have been successful. But it's an argument worth making until a court rules on it. A second argument is standing. Did the plaintiff demonstrate an injury that is particularized and that affected them personally in order to bring suit? There's been some success recently in federal court with this argument. A recent decision, Brian versus Compass Group USA, held that plaintiffs lack standing to assert in federal courts claims arising from Section 15A of the BIPA law for failing to develop a publicly available policy for the retention and destruction of biometric data because plaintiffs do not incur actual damages as a result. The immediate effect is that plaintiffs cannot assert claims under Section 15A in federal courts within the Seventh Circuit. It's important to keep in mind this is limited to the publicly available policy. This ruling doesn't affect the informed consent or the selling of biometrics information, but it's an argument worth having. Standing would be less successful in state court after the Rosenbach decision from the Illinois Supreme Court, which held that an individual does not have to demonstrate an actual harm to establish that he or she is agreed under BIPA. In addition, aside from those BIPA-related defenses, a company can assert traditional arguments that would apply in other contexts, such as to class certification challenges related to typicality or commonality of question among class members. Um, And an additional argument uh, that is related specifically to BIPA relates to the statute of limitations. Uh, The BIPA statute does not have an express statute of limitations and different courts have applied different timeframes. For example, a trial court applied Illinois' catch-all five-year statute of limitations timeframe to a BIPA violation case. However, other courts may apply a shorter time frame, more traditionally used for privacy, such as a two-year time frame. And an example of this is in, found in a recent federal decision that applied a two-year time frame to a claimed BIPA violation. Other arguments include the availability of arbitration. 
And arbitration may be available to your company as a defense, depending on the circumstances and the language contained in an arbitration agreement. If mandatory arbitration is uh, allowed by the circumstances and the language of the arbitration, it will be permitted uh, most likely by a court. Additionally, if your employees are unionized, federal law preemption may apply to defend against a BIPA claim. Federal legal requirements, such as the Railway Labor Act or National Labor Relations Act, may require resolution of the BIPA dispute in a different forum, such as an adjustment or review board, rather than a court of law. To summarize, courts are continuing to explore the scope of BIPA. There are so few court decisions because most BIPA litigation settles, given the steep penalties that could apply. There's new potential arguments and defenses that will continue to be developed based on each case's unique facts and circumstances. So, Janine, what's on the horizon for BIPA litigation in Illinois? Well, there might be changes to the law. Since the Rosenbach decision, there has been a continuing effort to amend the BIPA law to remove the individual right to sue. For example, earlier this year, Senate Bill 2134 was introduced in response to the explosion of recent BIPA litigation. Senate Bill 2134 would have eliminated the private right to sue, and instead of that right, enforcement would be in the hands of the Illinois Department of Labor for employment-related violations and the Illinois Attorney General and State's Attorney's Office for other violations. However, Senate Bill 2134 was not acted on in a timely manner. At this point, Changes to BIPA are not likely to be passed anytime soon, given the failure in previous sessions and the current pandemic. So as a result, we would expect more class action litigation to continue, and we'd expect the class action targets to be expanded. For context, in 2018 and 2019, there were about 213 BIPA cases filed. Uh, but we would expect as Illinois consumers become more aware of the protections afforded by the BIPA statute and the scope of protections given to an individual's biometric information, uh, we expect an increase in BIPA litigation as a result, especially outside the employment context. In addition, we'd expect to see additional class action against technology providers and manufacturers, such as companies that make biometric technologies, such as finger reader technologies, rather than just the companies that use the technologies and operate in Illinois. Uh, finally, overall, we'd expect class actions to move outside the employment context. In the past, most of the class action uh, litigation has been in the employment context, but with the expanded understanding of consumer rights, uh, we'd expect to see more non-employment class action litigation. So in short, the true scope of the BIPA statute and Illinois privacy protections related to biometrics are still being developed, and claims depend on each company's unique circumstances. If you have any questions about your company's use of biometrics, contact uh, one of us, Janine or myself, or your attorney to discuss your circumstances in more detail. This has been Kelly Dry's Full Spectrum, 
Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, please reach out to Mike or I. Thank you so much for your time. The views and ideas expressed on this program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of Kelly Dry and Warren LLP, its staff, or management.